My name is Todd. This is Kathy. Welcome back to another episode of Zen Parenting Radio. This is podcast number 607. We've done 607 of these, sweetie. Yeah. Who would have thunk it? Um, why listen to Zen Parenting Radio? Because you'll feel outstanding. And always remember our motto, which is that the best predictor of a child's well-being is a parent's self-understanding. On today's show, we're going to discuss a picture that Kathy just sent to me. No, by- it's not a picture. <laughs> picture it's sweetie look at it. it's a picture i know it's just so funny because right when i sent it to you i said don't describe it the way i sent it i said we're it's the concept we're gonna talk about kathy texted me a concept <laughs> by adam grant um about feedback or something yeah so. it's about when your kids give you feedback oh yeah our kids give us feedback all the time regardless of what they're doing well and i think a lot of kids do and sometimes feedback is not it that's what I want to talk about. I want to talk about communicating feedback because we could sit here and, you know, you could be uh, snarky about like, oh, you know, kids, my kids give me feedback, but how do you give feedback to your kids? And I'm not talking about you, Todd. I'm talking about the people who are listening. Like, mm-hmm. I think sometimes our expectation of our kids and other people is different than what we do. Mm. Do you see what I mean? And I think sometimes what we believe would happen regarding feedback is not what really happens. Um, meaning that we have an expectation of, oh, if my kid is struggling this with this, they would let me know. Or if I ask this question, they'll answer honestly. And that's not always the case. No. So I just want to kind of talk about that. And Adam Grant happened to post something about feedback. I actually have been enjoying his Instagram page. I think it's since he published Think Again, he's been just doing, maybe he's been doing this a long time, but he just posts posts like, uh, it's not even a quote, it's like a thought, mm-hmm. like here's something to think about and then just a bunch of people comment on it. Yeah. But I find the things that he posts to be thought-provoking. Yeah, all right. We'll see where that takes us. Okay. Um, Kathy does this thing called Zen Parenting Moment. We talk to you guys about it every single week. And this one from last week is called Grievances and Gratitudes. And you always start it with a quote from somebody else and it says, Maybe you have to know the darkness before you can appreciate the light. Right. Do you know what you were thinking about when you wrote this thing, sweetie? Yeah. So I was talking about something that it can be hard to write about. I debated on even um, posting it as a Zen parenting moment because I thought, you know, people would maybe think that I wasn't clear about what I was saying. And so what I mean by this is that grievances and gratitudes means that I'd share a story that when my girls are telling me things that they're having a hard time with, I totally listen and acknowledge. But then at some point, if it be at the end of the conversation or the next day or whatever, I remind them to focus on what is working too. So they'll tell me this isn't working. This is bad. This is bad. This is bad. But at some point I, it's just kind of like a, don't forget this window's here and this door is here and there's all sorts of things that are working. And uh, can you know talking about feedback? Some of the feedback that I've gotten is like, oh, like they actually on the podcast that they were on with us. Like I think it was like something about our kids talking with us about things. Was when it the was 500th that? Podcast? Maybe it was the five hundredth podcast because it wasn't the school one. It was the mm-hmm. other one. I think when we said what drives you the most crazy, they said when you guys say to focus on your gratitude or to. They were annoyed that when they share challenges that you know, we go to, yeah, but what's working? Mm-hmm. I totally hear that as feedback because it can be so annoying when you're struggling with something and people are just say, focus on the positive. There is a line that can become toxic positivity, which is like 
toxic positivity is where it's like, let's just feel fine about things no matter what. And let's look at everything through rose colored glasses and let's not feel this pain. That is not all what I'm saying, which is why I call it grievances and gratitudes. I know that this drives them crazy. So I'm always looking for new ways to articulate this to them that their feelings are valid and in no way would I disregard them or, or sidestep the difficulty of what they're telling me. But the thing that we need to remember in life is that grievances and gratitudes can live side by side, hmm. that you don't, one doesn't get rid of the other um, or vice versa. It They don't cancel each other. They balance each other. So if we get into the habit of just noticing what's not working all the time, that can really develop... Um, you know, just interpersonal neurobiology, a really deep ingrained, you know, neurobiological trait, yeah. which is this isn't working and I'm going to be, you know, it's kind of like in your life, if you're like, wow, family things are going really well. My marriage is going really well. Oh, my job, it sucks. Mm -hmm. Or vice versa. I love my job, but I can't stand what's going on. Like we are constantly seeing something that's not working and focusing our energy there. That's part of our brain makeup. Correct. Scanning our environment for threats. Correct. And we can't stop doing that. Mm -hmm. Like in no way am I like stop doing that. But I think it's a it can be healthy to then say, okay, this is a real challenge. But what is working that will give me the foundation to manage this? Mm. Do you see what I mean? I do. So you're not disregarding the challenge. You're not saying look on the bright, bright side and you're not saying be toxically positive. You're saying, yep, that's true. And this is true too. And the one thing that I shared at the the bottom of the um, essay was, it's like staring at the ground and seeing a crack. We focus on the crack, wondering why there's a crack. Who made the crack? Will the crack hurt us? Will there be more cracks? When instead, if you just look ahead, there's a whole sidewalk ahead and there's many, it's paved and there's not cracks in mm -hmm. it. Or you look up, you look in a completely different direction. There's stars in the sky. So you can either focus on the crack the whole time or you could notice, yes, there's a crack, but there's also other things too. So that's grievance and gratitude. But I will say the feedback I've gotten from my kids is it's not always welcome. Yeah. So I have to practice new ways to explain it to them. For some reason, I think of, I think Thich Nhat Han came up with this or maybe he didn't, who knows. Um, when you get a head cold and one of your nostrils is plugged up uh -huh. and then all of a sudden maybe you, maybe you start feeling better and it unclogs itself or sometimes when you sneeze, it, your, your passages open up for that brief moment and you can breathe totally. through your nostrils without um, hindrance. Totally. And when that happens to me, it's like the whole world, my whole world just shifted. I can right. now breathe through both nostrils. It's just an amazing feeling. And what's weird is, you know, a day later, a month later, a year later, right now I can breathe through both nostrils without hindrance, but I'm not any more happy than I really ought to be. So in other words, I don't know if I'm explaining this well, breath, just open breath, the ability to just breathe freely is this gift that I take for granted when most of the time I have that. But when I have a cold, that's the only thing I'm focusing on. So exactly. So that's like a good example from TikNot, but take that into the real world. Mm -hmm. Like something that you were worried about two months ago that was really taking up all your brain energy yeah. is probably not happening right sure. now, right? So that's I'm really- I'm on to the next thing. Right. So that's a metaphor for everyday living, which is- there is something that I'm like so intensely focused on. And I'm like, if this thing would just go away, my whole life would be so much better. And then all of a sudden, or maybe not all of a sudden, over time, it gets resolved. Mm -hmm. And then you're like, okay, 
that resolved, which means all my life is supposed to be so much better. But instead, we shift focus and we notice that something else isn't working. And that, again, this isn't a judgment for doing that because like Todd said, that's what our brain does. The key is not about changing your brain necessarily, except through meditation and mindfulness and maybe lightning, 10% better. Mm -hmm. But the key is noticing it. This is what we were talking about last week with the observer, or maybe it was a few weeks ago, I can't remember. But we were talking about noticing the observer in your mind. And sometimes people are just like, this is the way life is, and this is horrible. And they forget that they've gone through this a million times before in some way or another. Like what I have been able to notice through through therapy and just through my own practice of journaling and noticing my thoughts is that I bring the same kind of energy to forgetting to go to the grocery store as I do somebody feeling sick. Yeah. Is that I become like, that was my computer. I become like, I get this terror feeling and I'm bringing this energy to things that really don't necessitate that kind of energy. Mm -hmm. And maybe nobody else around me knows that. It's not that I'm getting angry and yelling at anybody, but I'm feeling that discomfort like it's the worst thing ever. Instead of observing and saying, "You, you used to do this before, like try and... Or you did this about this thing and this thing, and maybe you don't need to be so intense about this. Yeah, It's just, it's a practice of ob- observing. So if you um, like hearing us discuss these end parenting moments, you can easily subscribe to it. It's free. It's a click on your phone. Just on the show notes of this podcast, just scroll up a little bit and it'll be one of the first things that we list in the show notes. So uh, it comes out Tuesdays and Fridays, and we'd love for you to join that um that platform or that subscription to getting these emails twice a week. Um, and then we also have Team Zen. Don't forget about that. It's our private online community. Uh, connect with Kathy and I twice a month, amongst many other things. We have 122 Zen Talks, which is what we do. And it's basically a Zoom call where Kathy and I are, are on and our community just asks us questions or asks for some support or asks for feedback on stuff. So we'd love for you to join. It's 25 bucks a month. First month's free. Go to zenparentingradio.com. So with that, sweetie, why don't we head on over to Adam Grant? Okay. So this post that he put up, it says, the best way to get honest feedback is to reward people for giving it. If you make it hard to tell you the truth, people take the easy way out. When people have the courage to be candid, you can reinforce it with gratitude and curiosity. Now, I want to be clear that a lot of times uh Adam Grant's work is around business. So I have a feeling when he wrote this, he was talking about if you work in in an organization, this is what is important. If you're really asking for honest feedback and someone gives you honest feedback and then you demote them or you tell them you don't trust them anymore, Mm -hmm. then no one's going to ever give you honest feedback again, right? So I'm pretty sure that he's talking more about organizations. But when I read this... I thought about what happens in our own family, okay, because I was – one thing that I know from kids that I work with is that there's this very common theme in families where parents will say, my kids know that they can tell me anything Mm -hmm. or my kids know I love them and if they're, they're ever struggling to come to me. And I don't think kids always know that. I think that that's something parents like to think is happening. I think they 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 may or may not know it, but to feel safe enough to actually come out with it to their parents is a whole nother game. Correct. Which is it goes back to this Adam Grant quote. It's like 
if you make it hard to have people tell you the truth, then people are going to take the easy way out, mm-hmm. which is avoiding it or sidestepping it or exact or you know decreasing really what they're experiencing or feeling and saying it's not that big of a deal. When people have the, but if your kids have the courage to be candid with you, your ability to reinforce it with some curiosity and you know gratitude's a rough one, mm-hmm. you know to be like I'm really grateful for this, unless it's something like. Mom, I really want to listen to you, or Dad, I really want to listen to you, but when you speak in that tone of voice, it's so hard for me to hear. I feel like that's helpful. I don't know if a lot of kids say sentences like that, but my point is, like, sometimes you are really grateful. Like, I had no idea I was doing that. Mm-hmm. I know? think most of the time, it's feedback is tough. So let's let's back up a little bit. Okay. F- what is feedback? Okay. And this is my very early mornings, <laughs> early Sunday morning definition of feedback. If you give a presentation and I give you feedback, I'm going to share with you my experience of what I just witnessed, right? Right? Yeah. You with me? Um, I think a lot of the times, most of us, I, I almost feel like you need to get permission to give feedback before you give it. True. Okay. I think that's true for adults who understand how to interact with people. And I think the way around that, because most often we're not open to feedback. I don't, I, mm. I think most of us True. are not, yeah. but a way to maybe covertly kind of get your point across is to talk about our experience. Like, let's say you gave a presentation and I uh, tell you what my experience of your presentation was that may land poorly, but instead I say, Oh, when I gave a presentation last week, I focused on this and this and this. And what that does for me is it doesn't really, um, it's like less critical of what I just observed in you. And instead I'm just sharing you with a story with what I, what I've done when I have given a presentation. Does that make sense? It does. Um, and, and, and I, and I hear what you're saying, especially in a work environment. Yeah. Okay. So if you're talking about work environment, I feel like that really fits. Mm-hmm. But if we're, if we're going into family, yeah. um, because which is even trickier, which is even trickier, I think that like, for example, if you were saying to me, because you and I work together too, but we're in a family, if you if I gave a presentation and you didn't really like it and you were like, well, what I did last week was mm-hmm. this, mm-hmm. I wouldn't take that as you were giving me feedback. Mm-hmm. I'd be like, great, glad mm-hmm. you did that. So that wouldn't, that wouldn't I mean, maybe it, depending on the type of conversation we were having, maybe I would recognize you're trying to give me feedback, aren't you? But don't you think that saying something like, I want to, like being more, I feel like there's a sidestep there of like, at work, I get that. But yeah. do you think at home, don't you think people are keen to what you're doing? Probably. I, I think my thing is, it seems really dry and rigid to say, are you open to feedback? I have a friend in my life that always asks me that. Yeah, it's, a, it's rough. Yeah. How do you do that with your kid? How do you, What is the family interpretation of, are you open to feedback? Because you do have to check to see if this four-year-old or this 14-year-old is even open to getting any feedback from you. Because if you're just giving it, and they're not ready for it, save your breath. Well, okay. So we have to give real life examples here because when you're saying, I'm not sure if I should give feedback to a four-year-old, that's all we're doing with four-year-olds is giving feedback. You know, no, we need to leave. No, Mm -hmm. it's time to put on your Mm -hmm. shoes. You know, I notice it takes you a long time to put on your shoes. We're not saying, can I give you some feedback? They're four. So we're, that's the parental role. That's where parents get the uh, reputation that they do as being like nagging or whatever, because that's all we're doing. Right. Is getting them out the door. Correct. And so, 
with your 14-year-old, to your point, it might be a little different in that they are autonomous in many ways. You know, they can go about their day and get dressed and they know how to put their shoes on. Hmm. They may not know how to put them away yet, but <laughs> they can put their shoes on. And then... What's up with our basket by our front door, by the I way? I don't know. Kathy I, put this basket for us to put shoes in there and I noticed that there's about 42 pairs of shoes. Well, I think as soon as you put the basket, people are like, well, then I don't need to put the shoes away. in the mud room or in my room. Yeah. Which... I really don't mind as long as those shoes are being worn. Right. If you, if it's. Yeah, there's shoes in there at the bottom that have. That are like boots. Yeah. Yeah. Or like broken flip flops. I got to give my kids some feedback to have them go through that basket. Right. So, okay. So with the 14 year old, I want to comment on two things. Number one, I think things, you know how we've talked on the show a lot about how when you're learning a new concept and you do it, not just you personally, Todd, but people do it too literally. Like they'll learn. It's why whenever I see a class for parents about how to talk to your kids, <clears throat> excuse me, I think it's very helpful. But I also think if parents start taking those sentences and using them verbatim with their kids, their kids are going to go, what are you doing? Mm -hmm. Because it's so unnatural. And then I think the thing that you and I have always supported parents in doing is you have to bring your own personality and you have to find your own belief system in this language so it comes through you. Mm. So if you really don't believe what you're saying, your kids will know that. Yeah. Now, if it's new and you're like, gosh, you know, give me a break, Kathy. I'm practicing something new. It's not going to go perfectly. That's fine because, but you really do believe what you're saying. Mm -hmm. But if you're coming in with, I'm going to say these perfect things to my kids so I get my needs met, yeah. it's going to fall flat. Why I'm going down that path is when we learn a sentence like, are you open to some feedback? Yeah. It can sound very rigid and formal. Correct. And like someone's using a formula. I agree 100%. In our conversation. So my, so when I say bring your personality to something, I'm just kind of doing this off the top of my head. But say you were telling me something I really wanted to give you feedback yeah. on. Maybe to say, okay, I totally hear all these things. I do have one thought. Mm. I'm not sure how you're going to feel about this, mm. but... Here's what I'm thinking. You ready? Yeah. So that whole sentence that I Much just softer. did. Do you see what I mean? Totally. Where then you might say, oh, and I'll say, oh, I know. That's why I kind of said, are you ready? Yeah. Because if I'm like, it's, I feel like. Or what about the thing? I remember reading in, so in a soccer for dummies thing, because I used to coach soccer. Uh -huh. They said, you know, when you're trying to be critical of your soccer player in the field, who's doing it wrong, you got to say five things, good things for every one critical thing. Yeah. What about something like that, like using that as a formula? Not five, five things, but when we're coming into this conversation with her 14-year-old with feedback, maybe you make sure you say three or four good things before you drop the hammer and say, this is the one thing where I think you really can use some support on. Yeah, and you know what? Can that, and again, this will take practice, but can that come naturally? For example, the soccer example you gave. I can see a coach, right, when you said that, pulling a kid aside and say, wow, you are running that field. You totally blocked that um, down there. Mm -hmm. You were able to see that that kick was coming. Um, and Sweetie, I love listening to you try to struggle through soccer I examples. Know, I know, I'm totally struggling. I'm trying to visualize the field <laughs> and being like, what do people Your do? Your soccer vernacular field? is a little... A little small. Well, you bl block is okay, right? A little bit. It sounds like I'm blocking a kick in, in, in football? Uh, football. Okay, so you were able... I'm trying. You I'm dribbled up the field beautifully. You dribbled up the field beautifully. Um, you totally saw that ball coming. Whatever. Throw <laughs> stuff out there. Sweetie, I'm giving you feedback on how to Obviously. show this example. Um, no, but I, I really... I don't know that much about soccer. I don't. So Thanks to right. us. So 
And then you say, um, next time, make sure that you go down that line mm-hmm. because this is where you're supposed to be. And then you'll be able to see the ball even clearer. Yeah. So my point is, is that if a kid comes to you and you're like, number one, you've done this. Number two, like this is an example of you read in a book, I want to give five things. Yeah, right. Then it becomes this really, and I know that people scripted, are like, scripted, rigid, yeah. inauthentic. And that's the key is that really what this is about is what this show is always about is how can you bring yourself to your parenting role mm. instead of being the role of mom how do you be Kathy Kathy who happens to be a mom yeah because if you show up as a human with your children they're much more likely to have conversations with you that feel authentic they're not always comfortable because they may give you feedback about things you don't want and vice versa but you're much more likely to have success if you are being yourself and offering things not in a rigid formatted way, but in a way that you talk, okay? With with the one caveat I'm going to say here is there's some people who... Oh, well, then I swear to my friends, so I'm going to start swearing at my kids. Right. That's not what we're talking about. Or the personalities that I'm thinking of who are kind of like constantly sarcastic and smart-assy and constantly like critical or, you know, like when I say personality... There's this balance of be yourself with compassion and kindness. Be yourself at your essence. Yes. And if your essence is being sarcastic to your friends, I don't think that's what we're talking about. Right. Not that I have a problem with sarcasm because you and I are pretty sarcastic all the time. But if our kids can only hear us, like the only way we talk to our children is being like chronically sarcastic, then that not only are they going to live that way, but they will that compassion piece might be missing. So I want to make a detour, but first I want to talk about our partner of the week. And our partner of the week is um, an organization called Prisma. And Prisma has a totally new way to go to school. So do your kids look forward to going to school? Do they complain about being bored in class? Prisma is an online alternative to traditional school for fourth through eighth graders. That's all we're talking about. Prisma knows that most of today's kids will end up working jobs that don't even exist yet. So true. So they focus on developing 21st century skills like creativity, critical thinking, and collaboration rather than having kids memorize facts and take standardized tests. Prisma is an innovative online school for fourth to eighth graders that give them the flexibility to be their best selves while developing the skills they need for a successful future. Admissions for fall of 2021 are now live and filling fast. Go to joinprisma.com to schedule a call or learn more. So thank you to our partners over at Prisma. All right. So this is where I want us to go. Okay. Let's hear it. Um, you talk about us being ourselves with how we give feedback. And I want to like expand it out. Let's be ourselves while just interacting with our kids, like in general, not Correct. specifically through the lens of feedback. And I feel like I'm guilty of this. I feel like sometimes I'm giving the business version of Todd when I show up with my three daughters, JC, Cameron, and Skylar, or my uh, father role. And I don't really come up with, I'm not, cha- I'm not doing what you just invited the listeners to consider, which is bring your best self to this role of parenting. And I feel like I am at my best when I'm most like myself when interacting with my kids, but I get seduced by the trappings of what a dad is supposed to sound like. 
Right. And this is interesting. Skylar and I had a talk yesterday. We went on a walk and had a talk because there was a couple nights ago she was having a hard time with something. And I was trying all sorts of different things. Okay. So I'm sure parents can relate to this. Like you and I lately have been calling it like a dance with our kids where mm-hmm. it's like, do you need this? Or then you pull out and like, oh, I'll try something else. Do you need this? And then you pull out and try something else. Like it's and and part of you just said you're seduced by something, but really it's we've gotten a lot of feedback over the course of our lives about what works, what doesn't, what this kid needs, what this kid's age needs, things we should say, things we shouldn't say. And it's really a lot. Mm-hmm. Okay. So sometimes when we are confronted with a moment, it's hard to know what to, and I'm putting this in air quotes, what to bring. Mm-hmm. What my daughter, the feedback she was giving me was when you finally just stop doing all these things and you just gave me a hug, that really helped, mm-hmm. okay? Which I kind of know that anyway, meaning like, I, I don't mean, I didn't say that to her. I accepted the feedback and allowed her to, when I say I know that, I don't mean I'm smart. I mean like, you kind of know that that's all kids need. But there's all these things going through our head of like, but shouldn't I say this? Shouldn't I teach this? Shouldn't I demonstrate that this is not that big of a deal? Shouldn't I be chill? Shouldn't I try and allow them to calm down themselves? Think about all the things that we think we should do. Mm -hmm. And it's sometimes hard to just go to that one that is soothing and loving first. Yeah, like primal. I don't know. If, I I don't know if it's primal. Well, I'm just feeling like, like touch is something that human beings all yes. need to survive and thrive. Versus, if you start telling our kid, or I start telling our kid all these things, and I'm talking to their prefrontal cortex or their intellect, that's a little bit further down the road. And you know, there's sometimes when hugs are not the solution. <laughs> Believe me, I know sometimes your kids need your intellect or your intuition. Uh, but they're, but the only reason I'm thinking about this is last night, one of our daughters was having a hard time falling asleep and she said her heart was racing and she had a hard time calming herself down. And I started doing some things like we have this game, this or that, Mm -hmm. and which is, you know, pizza or French fries, Mm -hmm. just to kind of keep their mind, like move their mind in a slightly different direction. Yeah. Get it more, get it off the spin. So I started tapping into this intellectual part of me, like, okay, what are some, some techniques and all that? And in the end, she's like, can you just rub my feet? Right. And that's all it took. Right. Is she just needed to be connected with. But like I said, that's, that worked in that moment. There's times when I'd be like, she's struggling. I'm like, well, let me just rub your feet. Well, that's not going to serve her in that moment. And maybe some of this conversation, what's important about it is less about, okay, Kathy and Todd, how do I do this right every time, is you're not going to. And being more comfortable with two things. Number one, the dance of it, that you are going to be trying a bunch of different things and that when maybe your first and second thing are not working or not accepted or your kids are giving you feedback that you're not helping, instead of going into your own inner child and feeling offended and feeling like, well, you don't understand, I'm trying, and you don't see me as a parent – we all get in that a little bit, but instead of behaving that way, realize that there's just a lot, there's always something new to try. And maybe you even need to back away for a while and come back. Like it doesn't mean you need to keep hammering it until you figure it out. But I think sometimes we're like, okay, I'm going to come in with a good idea and it doesn't work. And then we get mad at our kids because our idea didn't work. And I think- all of a sudden we feel threatened. Right. And so I think what we have to realize is like what Todd said is, we can have all sorts of good ideas, even some that worked the previous day. Mm-hmm. 
But in that moment, can we be open to the feedback that it's not working and try something else? And then my favorite thing to do with my girls is a day or two later say, how did that all go? Because sometimes I'll be like, wow, that went really well. And they'll be like, actually, I didn't feel much better. I just was able to fall asleep. I like to get their feedback of what was helpful and what wasn't. And sometimes it's surprising because the things that I think really were smart and, you know, you know, like novel. Well, you're seeing it through your lens yeah. and they have a completely different totally. lens. They're the ones that are trying to get through a certain situation. We're the ones trying to support somebody through that situation. So, you know, just there's no way we can know how it goes without, without, asking. without asking. And, you know, the thing I loved about this is that, you know, again, going back to Adam Grant's quote, um, the best way to get honest feedback is to reward people for giving it. Um you know, if you make it hard to tell the truth, people are going to take an easy way out. When people have the courage to be candid, can you reinforce it with some curiosity? So I guess the reason I'm reading that again is we, the more that, especially with my, uh, you know, my girls are all teenagers, the more that they have been able to share something and I have remained curious about it. And curiosity just means, I know what you guys, you know what the word means, but how does that look? Curiosity is like, oh, interesting. Tell me more about that. Now, what did I say again? So how did that, how, so sometimes- well, For me, curiosity is like having the openness to having your mind changed. That too, right? which is the the definition. Right. But like, how does that really look when you're talking to them? Because mm-hmm. you may say, like, because sometimes like I'll focus on you, Todd, because I hear you talk with the girls like, um, so about two weeks ago, you were making an egg for Skylar mm-hmm. and she was like, can you use the white cheese instead of the yellow cheese? Yeah. And you were like, well, okay- but Last I did time, use this before. Right, right. So you know the definition of curiosity, yeah. but are you really doing no, it? No, I wasn't curious at all. I wanted to make it with the white cheese. <laughs> you were like, I'm already making this egg. Yeah, I don't want to remake this egg. It's good. Yeah, there's no curiosity. And let me tell you, you like this cheese. Because you had this cheese. Right. I know better. Nothing you said in that situation was wrong per mm-hmm. se. And some parents may be like, sorry, it's the last egg. Like mm-hmm. there are pieces where we say, "You, this is what we have, yeah. you know? But there's also when we're getting like she wasn't she didn't come in and say, Dad, you messed it up. She said, oh, do you could you do this instead? This is what I meant. And we may say next time or we may say, oh, sorry about that. I can do like I guess like curiosity is the ability to not feel like let me convince you why my way is right. Yeah. Right. Because that's what we're doing. So this is interesting to me because part of me, and this is tricky, so I I need your help in figuring this out. If we're really, so we started with feedback, so let's get back to it. Okay. If we're really going to want to give our kids constructive feedback, I feel one way to do that is, you know, you got to, if you want to get something, you got to be able to give it. Correct. And for me, I'd be like, well, then to keep the space open, we should in a, uh, an appropriate way, ask them for feedback, kind of like what you're saying. Absolutely. Because if we're, if it's just a one way channel, if we're just giving them feedback and I feel like that's what parenting is, like we just give them feedback because we're trying to mold these little human beings into grown up human beings to be productive people in the world and love themselves and love each other. But if we're only doing it one way, then that is not a relationship. It's not a relationship. But I also think it's a little tricky, and maybe you can help me understand this. I feel like parents could be like, 
take that idea and start asking their kids for a bunch of feedback when it's not appropriate for our kids to be giving us feedback. Give me an example where it's not appropriate. Well, I just feel like I feel like it can get annoying for one thing. Uh-huh. Like, oh, we had an exchange last night. How did I do last night? Right. Or, um, you know, something that's inappropriate, like you're doing a work presentation and you're asking your kid who knows nothing about work to give you feedback on something that's not even part of their world. I do that all the time though, because how did mom sound? Mm-hmm. How did, how did, did that make sense the mm-hmm. way I said that? So my point is, is that I don't think any parent who is living in today's world has the time or energy to ask their kid all the time how they're doing. Yeah. So that may be too extreme to, I'm not too concerned about I, that. I, th- I think, sorry to interrupt, but I feel like it is sometimes dads or moms asking for feedback is comes from a place of insecurity, like below the line insecurity. Like tell me I'm doing good. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So that's not, and I, um, I get what you're saying. I don't think that's what I'm saying at all in that really this is, and you might get feedback like, yeah, that worked. And you Mm -hmm. could say, okay, good. Um, I kind of do the Monica Ross thing and I'm like, check. You guys know what that is? Do you know the Monica Ross thing? Some do, sweetie. Okay. Well, when they pack, they check their the things that they're getting, like passport, check, packed, check. So anyway, I do that with the girls. If they're like, mom, you know, when you said this, this was really annoying and you were in a hurry and we could totally tell. And if you can have a sense of humor and really see what they're saying, you can be like, okay, got it, check, you know? Um if they're like, mom, we can't stand the way you do your hair and the way you dress and we can't stand your voice, that's not something that, that's mm-hmm. not kind. And there's nothing about that that is helpful. And that is just meanness. But I don't think that that's what we're looking for. Right. We're not saying, how am I as a human, give me feedback. It's like in this scenario, did you feel heard? Yeah. And if you didn't, let me know. Because here's the thing. I know Parents who are in a defensive mode of I'm the parent, I'm in charge, don't tell me what to do, then then you're not then this isn't gonna mean much to you yeah. because your belief system is still it all comes from one way mm-hmm. and that it's a hierarchy. And if people are listening to this podcast, I'm guessing that they're not one way parents. Right. What I do know though is a lot of people tell me they like what we discuss, but their partner is not very on board. And so sometimes they like to have shows where they can have discussions about what we discuss. Mm-hmm. So they'll they'll play this podcast and say, Did you hear that? Yeah. Let's talk that through. Not did you hear that, Kathy and Todd are right, you're wrong, but like can we discuss that? Yeah. And this is what I what's most important to discuss. You are developing a relationship with your child, even when they are two, three, four, and five. Now, when they're two, three, four, and five, it is a little more one way about where we're going. We're yeah. getting in the car. We're going to bed. We're eating dinner. Like, because their brain is still developing in such a way that they need that guidance. They are they are small and young, and they need you in a more um, hands-on way. As they get older... It, it, but I'll still say when they're two, three, four, and five, when you can give them choice and when you can allow them to share how they're feeling, that's really helpful in the long term, not only their own self-awareness, but in the long term of relationship development, because then they know that's part of, that's honored, mm-hmm. okay? As they get older, you know, if you've got teenagers, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, they are like, my oldest daughter is now an adult. She's 18 years old. I don't know if she she always says she doesn't feel like one, but my point is is she's leaving for school and what kind of relationship do I have with her? It's one that's been developed over time of these kind of conversations. And it doesn't mean that she's never annoyed with me. Of course she is. 
Um, but what I mean is that I feel like now as she goes out into the world, we have developed a relationship. Yeah. Not a hierarchy of do what I say, I'm just keeping you safe. There's a back and forth conversation. So that's why feedback is so vital is that when think about it now, your relationship with your parent now. And you know, many of us have lost our parents or our parents are aging and this may be more difficult. But do they listen to you? Mm -hmm. Do you feel like you can give them feedback? Do you feel like you can share your honest self with your parents? And if your answer is no, then you understand why this is important. Because eventually you become peers with your parent. Ideally, but I can speak for myself in that sometimes when I'm in the same room as my dad, I quickly regress to being the eight-year-old boy. And that's my whole point. Yeah. Why is that? Because that's the relationship you developed with in childhood with yeah. him. Right. So that's my whole point is like, is that what we want for mm -hmm. ourselves, for our kids? Or do we want to, as they progress... Crackle, crackle. What is that? I don't know. Maybe Mercury's in retrograde. <laughs> it sounds like a thunderstorm. Yeah. I Do you think they heard that? I don't know. We just heard some feedback. Feedback. Oh. It's happening again. I know. It's so weird. It's like a little thunderstorm in my earphones. Mm -hmm. Anyway, the goal is to this person you love the most in the world, these people you love the most in the world, to have a relationship where you feel like you can be in the same room with them and they hear you and you hear them. Mm -hmm. That's all. Yeah, It's not always, you're still gonna have times where you're doing a dance and you're not doing it right and they're not doing it right and you get annoyed and you have, this doesn't eliminate challenge. It decreases challenge. Yeah. That's all we're really trying to do. Like anybody who's like, well, then this must mean you never have a hard time with this or that, of course. Well, and if we can like just back up as we begin to close the show, um, what is a relationship other than, and you've already said this, it's a two-way, open-ended communication where one person talks, the other person listens, and then they flip and they flip. Right. But in parenting, many of the times the parent talks and the kids are supposed to listen. Correct. And then that is the parent. This is the most important part. I started with this, but this is really the heart of what I want to get to. That is a parent will say who will say, I know that my kid knows that I love them and that they can come to me with everything and anything. And that's not always true. Well, and I think a lot of times parents might even say that out of fear because they are afraid that that may not be true. So the way that they protest is by convincing themselves or and convincing others. everybody else. You're right. You're right. Because it's really not an easy thing to, it sounds easy, but it's not. Like, are we parents good enough listeners to say, whatever, your kid comes home with an F? Is it safe for your kid to come home with an F? Or do you instantly jump to judgment and critical feedback? And what's wrong with you? And why didn't you listen to me? Or and I told you so. Are you open to say that your 12-year-old boy discovered porn? Like, are you open to having that discussion or do you quickly jump to what's wrong with conclusions you? Mm -hmm. or, you know, and we can come up with any number of different examples, but this is all fun in theory. But when you think about the reality of the, some of the situations that we experience as, as parents, it's not an easy thing to do. Well, and that is why when we're talking about things like, let's do something really simple. Like, you know, we have a family of five. Where, What restaurant are we going to go to, right? Now that things have opened back up, relatively speaking. Hey, what restaurant are we going to go to? Is everyone being heard? Mm -hmm. 
sometimes people are going to be disappointed, meaning we already went there before, or it's you got to pick last time, or, you know, I hear you, but, you know, this person has an allergy and we can't go there, whatever it may be. But are you listening to everybody? Are you hearing what everybody's saying in something like just picking a restaurant, which can be very frustrating, by the way. So when something comes up that is more difficult, you have already had discussions about hearing and seeing each other because the practice of communication is not just built on challenge. It's built on things that are less challenging. So then it's like building a muscle. It's just like why meditation makes us more mindful. Mm -hmm. Meditation is how we learn to notice our observer. So when we are in a difficult situation that is real, we can allow that observer to have a more of a role in the situation. We remember to breathe. We remember to stop. We remember to listen. But if we're not meditating, which is a form of lifting weights for our brain, you know, meditation is not about wearing certain clothes and sitting in lotus position and telling people that you got to 20 minutes. Who cares? Is it working for you? Is it showing up in your life? So I think uh, I can tell Todd's getting to a close here. So I think the last thing I would say is... For those of you who are like, I'm not sure if my kid would come to me if they were struggling, then having even having that conversation of, you know, especially if they're going into middle school and high school, like, you know, you can come to us and this is what the expectation will be. And this is what the, I just want you to know, I'll hear you. And if this makes you afraid, I want you to know that, that I will listen before I say anything, you know, like. You can really jump on it like that, like really go to the core of it and tell them exactly what you hope they feel um, when they're in trouble. Or you can just over time start to have, accept their honest feedback. Well, one last thing, you know, when you say like parents will be like, well, my kids can come to me. And the reason I feel like they can come to me is because you tell them, you know, honey, you can always come to me. Right. Doesn't mean much. Those are just words. Yeah. Don't hide behind those words and have you done the work? And this is totally a tangent that we can't, don't have time to go on. But the bottom line right now is when our kids experience some significant challenges, they go to Kathy more often than they go to me. And, you know, I just kind of lately we've had some challenges and I feel like I have not, you know, without at the risk of sounding like I'm beating myself up too bad. I have not created this the same amount of safety that Kathy has. And I'm just saying that out loud, honestly and vulnerably. And I know that if Kathy wasn't here, I think they'd be more likely to come to me. But Kathy's just creating a much safer place than I am. So I invite the listeners to to check in. Like how it's one thing to say it, it's another thing to do it. Well and Will you do a quick what what does safety mean? Because people say, What does that mean? Safety. A place of it, uh, non-judgment is a is a tricky thing because I think we as human beings constantly have this brain that judges behaviorally and non-judgmental. Yeah, right. So it's it's it's. Are you curious? Are you open? Are you creating time to have a longer discussion, or are you going to run like I do and go get on my computer or go exercise or something? Like it 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 takes a tremendous amount of time commitment. To be able to do it. Because I think most of the time, I think my daughters think that I'm a safe person if I just sit still for long <laughs> enough. 
quite honestly. So some of it's like practical. Like yeah. if I'm like, okay, how you doing? Okay, I'm gonna go play pickleball. Right. Like right. that's There's not no a time. real. That's right. not a safe. Maybe we should talk about this on next week's call. Like, what are the conditions of safety? Right. What? How do we make our children feel safe enough? Yeah. To share that bad news with us. Right. And one thing that I will share, and we'll talk about this more next week, is what is your reaction to things? Not you, Todd, per se, but any of us, like, you know... Uh, well, I, I, I how, say, Go ahead. Well, how do we react when our girls start telling us something? Is if we're like, oh, no, or oh, again? Or, or, or I'll minimize it. Like, oh, that's not that big of a deal. Right. Like, there's so many there's different so many ways things. to screw this up. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the times I screw it up. Right. Quite honestly. And I think that there is a place where we can hold something as being very important and something we're going to discuss or something that could be really not great, Mm -hmm. but still have a sense of, again, foundation for chakra stuff where we're like, okay, let's go. Let's go forward. You know, Um, just the other day, one of my daughters was really sad about something that I know I can't fix. It's just a part of life. And I was like, okay, well, then let's try something else. Mm -hmm. Let's just... And I know what she's looking for from me is tell me that we have other options. Yeah. And not with those words, but act like you've been there before. Yeah. Because if we like go down in the dirt with our kids and we're like, oh my God, what yeah. are we going to do? Then they're like, who's who's yeah. holding up the sky here? Yeah. Because if you're just as upset yeah. and I can then go to Todd afterwards and be upset because yeah. I have feelings about it too, but I don't necessarily always do that with them. And then, then we get into a thing where people are like, well, aren't we supposed to share our emotions with our children? Mm-hmm. Yes, but not to a point where then they're holding us up. Yeah, You know, this is the small piece of hierarchy in a relationship with we're the parents. Mm-hmm. So even though before we were saying developing a relationship, this is where it gets nuanced, paradoxical, this is why we call it Zen parenting, is we also, if we're in an argument, if something is going wrong, we are the parents. Mm-hmm. We are the ones who address it. Yeah. That is, it, we are always the go-to. Yeah. So, okay. Um, all right. So in closing, join Team Zen. First month is free if you enter the coupon code FRIEND. Um, if you want to support Todd and Kathy, we would love your support. We'd love you to for you to join the team. Um, can I say one thing about Zen Parenting Moment? For those of you who are already subscribed, thank you. Um, I'm also going to start sharing some things like favorite podcasts and favorite books and fav- just favorite things on that Zen Parenting Moment because a lot of people email and say, what are you listening to? What's that book you're talking about? So I'm just going to start occasionally, like maybe once every couple of weeks, doing a moment where I share some of those things. So if there are those of you who are interested in kind of having like the things that Todd and I like or the things that I like, I guess it's more about my stuff. Yeah. It won't be Todd's. No. Um, just uh, subscribe. Go to ZenParentingRadio.com or like Todd said, just scroll down on the podcast thing and... And um, don't forget Men Living. That is, I'm the executive director of this organization called Men Living. It's a virtual and in-person community of guys connecting deeply and living fully. No requirements, no creeds, no gurus, no judgments. All you have to do is join us when you can. Check us out at menliving.org. And last but not least, we can't forget about the bald head of beauty, Jeremy Kraft. He's a bald head of beauty, painting and remodeling throughout the Chicagoland area. 630-956-1800, avidcode.net. Uh, We will see you all next Tuesday. Keep trucking. Have a great week. Adios. Thanks for listening, everyone. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. And feel free to leave a five-star review. It helps people find us. The best part of what we do is getting to spend time with our listeners in an awesome community of parents who have come together over at Team Zen. 
Teams Zen is a great opportunity to connect as much as you want with a group of like-minded parents, and you'll even get exclusive content from Kathy and me. Find out more about Teams Zen on our site, zenparentingradio.com. We know your inbox needs more hopeful and helpful info, so sign up for the Zen Parenting Moment. Two times a week, you'll receive a quick read that will boost your day and improve your outlook. Sign up at zenparentingradio.com. While men and women, moms and dads, parents and non-parents are all welcome here at ZPR, we know most of our followers are female and moms. So today we're shouting out an opportunity that's just for the guys. Men Living creates opportunities for men to gather together to give and get support and build friendship. I am one of the founders of the group, and you'll find me every week helping facilitate our virtual meeting on Wednesday nights at 7.30. Interested or want to share the details with someone you love? You can find the Zoom link at menliving.org. Ready for a Gen X view of personal growth? Join us for Pop Culturing, our podcast filled with humor, fun, and a characteristic emphasis on self-awareness as we explore movies, TV, and pop culture. And don't forget, I coach guys. So if you're interested, head on over to toddadamscoaching.com and schedule a one-on-one session. First session is free. Finally, I want to give a special thanks to our founding partner, Jeremy Kraft. He's a bald-headed beauty, and the company he has is Avid. They do painting and remodeling throughout the Chicagoland area. Go to avidco.net or give them a call at 630-956-1800. Thanks for all your love and support, and keep on trucking.